0: Well, if you want to turn to Mark chapter 2, last week we talked about just thinking about the new year and thinking about what's important and talked about the basics, going back to the basics and things, foundational things that we need, we can't forget and that most of the time in life it's the everyday things that make the biggest difference and (coughs) the habits and daily things we do things like last week we talked about meditating on the Bible and that's what Lord willing I want to talk again about this week just what is it this upcoming year that would make a difference and our life and walk with God and the basic things, you know, I gave the example last week of the Chiefs' last playoff season loss because the guy didn't line up in the right spot, just forgot to look down at his feet and cost him going to the Super Bowl. And it's just a basic, you know, looking down at your feet. And that's what sometimes I think happens to us, too. We get thinking about these things, at least for me, up here. And whatever's going on up here isn't going to matter if you don't have the foundation down here at the bottom. And we want that and we need that. And so... For me, too, I was just thinking this could be a good reminder for me this week, just this passage here in Mark chapter 2, just starting in verse 1. And when he returned to Capernaum, after some days it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them, and they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men, He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your horror? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise up, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose immediately, picked up his bed, and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Well, what is it? What are the basics here that we can't forget that we need every day in the Christian life to make it to the end? Well, today I just want to talk, Lord willing, about faith. Faith. You know, we could have great preaching and great singing and fellowship and a big building and a lot of people and a lot of things. But if we don't have faith, it doesn't matter. None of those things are going to matter. We could know a lot about the Bible. We could have a bunch of verses memorized And if we don't have faith, that's not going to matter. We could be diligent about reading our Bible every day, meditating. But if we don't have faith in what we read, it's not going to matter. We could do a lot of outreach. We could give our bodies to be burned and give all we have to the poor. But without faith, that's not going to matter. And so just want to think with you for a few minutes on some of the basics, you know, faith. Do we have faith? What does faith look like? What's the result of faith? What's the object of faith? What's the context of faith? And so this is a pretty shocking little story here in Mark 2, and it's told in all three of the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. All three of them tell this story. And one thing I want just to bring up, the only other thing I'm going to reference from any of the others is there's one word that Matthew includes that Mark doesn't. In Matthew 9, when he tells the story, he he includes one more word that Jesus says, and he says, Take heart. It's a command. He says it before, to the paralytic before he says, son. And so, just wanted to note that because I wanted to talk about that. But he says, take heart or take courage to the paralytic man. So the first thing I want to bring out is the context of faith. What's the context of faith? Where does this happen? How do we get to the place of faith? And what we need to do is put ourselves in this situation. We're talking here about the paralyzed man lying on the mat before Jesus. The context of faith is when you get to the point where you can't fix your problems yourself. When you realize, I cannot, I can't fix this, I can't make this right. That's the context of faith. And in this case, it's the paralyzed man. He comes to Jesus totally unable to fix his problem he's He's totally dependent on Jesus. The context of faith is paralysis, total inability, no helping it's not a It's not a partnership. it's not him coming to Jesus. He does a little bit. Jesus does a little bit. it's total inability. and we are in this story, we're the paralyzed man, if we have eyes to see. The paralyzed man had stopped, had given up trying to move his legs and arms. He gave up. He, he realized, "I cannot do it. I can't fix this." And so he's he's moving on to Christ. He's moving to depending on Him, and that's where we are, you know. For some of us here, there's certainly people here who are lost, who are lost. You're lost in your sin. That your sin is not forgiven. And that you are still struggling against your sin, trying to fix it yourself. You've got sin, and you know it's a problem, I hope. I hope you know it's a problem. That one day you're going to stand before God and give an account for everything you've ever done. Even the things you've thought. Even the things you wanted to do, but God never gave you the opportunity to do. Sins that you wanted and would have done, but... The context never rose. Even those things we're going to give an account to God for. And some of you are, aren't haven't given up yet. You're still trying to clean yourself up. You're still trying to hide it. You're still trying to fix it. But you know what? You're paralyzed. You're never going to be able to do it. You're never going to be able to get that sin off your account or out of your life you're hopeless in yourself. And until you get to the place like this paralyzed man where you realize, I can't do this myself. I, I have no ability to change this. Then you're not ready for faith. You're still trusting yourself. You're still hoping there's another way out. You know, I'll tell you a story. This is not this is the opposite of a illustration that this is a serious illustration Um, my is actually a story my grandfather was a welder and I don't think I've ever told this but he was a welder and he was working at an oil refinery and they asked him to work on the vault so he was welding on the vault and it had been declared gas-free, so that there was no, no gas on the other side of the vault. Because when you're working at an oil refinery, there's like lots of things going on. Well, anyways, it turned out that it wasn't gas-free. And so when you're welding and you're cutting through metal, um, once he cut through, it hit that flammable gas on the other side, and there was an explosion. And what happened was the vault door, which was many thousands of pounds, was blown off the hinges and fell on him. And he actually died is what ended up happening. Um, He he died. That's how my grandfather died. And if you are lost, you're just like that. You are trapped under a 2,000-pound door. And until you realize, I cannot lift this door. I can't help lift this door. See, if somebody walks along and you're under a two-thousand-pound door, and they say, "Can I help you?" and you say, "Yeah, we'll lift it together," you don't see reality. If you say, "Yeah, I'll, here, you can help me. I'll get, I'll get it up a little bit, and then you take it the rest of the way off," you don't see reality. If you are lost in your sin, you have to come to the place when you see Jesus, and He's offering to help you. You're not saying. I'm going to try a little bit harder. I've got a couple more things I want to do. Maybe, maybe I can hide the sin a little bit longer. Maybe I can fix it. Maybe I can be good enough. Maybe I can get my life turned around. Maybe I can do this and do that to fix it. We can't. You can't. You have to get to the place where you realize, I am utterly helpless unless somebody comes along and rescues me. And it's not going to be me helping It's not going to be me doing a little bit and Jesus doing the rest. It's going to be Jesus helping a helpless person. And that's where we are. That's where I am and that's where you are in our sin. We're lost. Well, some of us, praise the Lord, aren't. Jesus has lifted the door. He has washed away our sin. We are new. We did say, Jesus, I give up. I can't do this. I need you to come and do something that I can't do. I could never do. No matter how long you left me to do it, I could never do it. So would you do it? Would you wash away my sin? And he has. Praise the Lord for that. But for some of us, the paralyzed man might be our circumstances. And you and I are in circumstances that you cannot change. No matter how hard you try, there's things that you could not change. Even simple things. There's simple things in your life that it looks like you think, if I go and I do this, it's going to change something. It may or may not. You don't know. I'll give you an example. You might believe that you could pay off your house and you go... All I have to do, it's all on me. If I go to the bank, I've got the money in the bank, I get the money out, I pay off, and then I take it to the other bank and I pay off my house, and then it's done. And it looks like in your own strength you could do it, but the reality is you can't. There's a thousand things that could happen that could prevent you from doing that. If you're able to do it, it's by the grace of God that you got there safe. It's by the grace of God that the banks don't fail. I mean, that's possible and has happened repeatedly in American history so there's many things even things we feel like we can do that in the end really we're like the paralyzed man we're still totally dependent on God emotionally we're like the paralyzed man I mean I know that some of you have felt like you couldn't even get out of bed probably this last week this last year, for sure, many. Or bitterness in your heart, anger. And you want it gone, but you have to, in the end, say, God, you've got to help me. You've got to take this. I can't. I can't do it myself. I'm not. I'm not sufficient. And so here we are, you and me, we're just like the paralyzed man. We're laying on the mat, unable, unable. To save ourselves, unable to change our circumstances, unable to deal with things in our, in our life apart from Jesus. We're bringing nothing but need to Jesus. We're not saying to Jesus, Jesus, I'll move this leg if you move, if you move the other leg. We're not saying to Jesus, if you can just get me going this first step, I'll make sure I go the rest of the way. We're asking Jesus to do something that we can't do. It's not a partnership. So that's the context of faith. Getting to the place where you see your utter inability. Total dependence. And then what? Then it's the object of faith. The object of faith. Where are you going to go once you see you're totally unable? Where are you going to go once you see you can't do it? Well, let's look at this, what happened. Here, Here's Jesus standing in a house. Nobody can get in. But apparently this paralyzed man had heard about Jesus. And if you look back up in chapter 1 at the end, Chapter one, verse 45, it says, but Jesus, he went out and began to talk. Oh, no, that's not Jesus. This healed man. But he went out and began to talk freely about it. That is what Jesus did. And to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. And people were coming to him from every quarter. So Jesus, the word was spreading about Jesus because he had cleansed this leper. And apparently this paralyzed man had heard something about Jesus. Heard something that he was saying the kingdom of God was at hand. And he came. Apparently he asked some of his friends to carry him on a mat. And when they couldn't get in the door, he asked them to lure him through the roof. Or they suggested it. But here he is believing, I've got to get to Jesus. He's the one that can help me. Jesus is the object of faith. So there are a few things in terms of what faith is here. It's more than just knowing, although it is knowing, right? Faith is more than just knowing, although it starts with knowing. He had to hear something about Jesus. He didn't come there. He didn't. His friends weren't carrying him on a mat. His fi- friends weren't tearing the towels off the roof to see what was down there. They had heard about Jesus Christ and believed that he could do something. So if we're going to have faith, we have to know something about Jesus. That's what Romans 10 says. It says, How are they to believe in him who they have never heard? You can't have faith. You can't believe in somebody you've never heard about. You have to know something about them. And just a reminder, I think I've said this before, but in your mind you really need to connect these words believe and faith because in Greek they're the same word with a different ending. So uh, the example I think I used last time was a hammer. Okay? You, what do you do with a hammer? You hammer. And the word is so connected because the thing you have it's obvious what you'll do with it. And in Greek that's the way faith is. It's the same word, noun, and verb. But we translate one believe and one faith. And so it's a little confusing. So in one way, it would be easier if it was faith, which is the noun, the thing you have. What do you do with it? You're faithing. But they don't say that because we don't have that word. So it's believing. Or if they translated all the words for faith, belief. We have belief. It's obvious what you do with it. You believe. And so the reason I quoted that verse is because it's the same word, um, just in, in terms of a verb instead of a noun. So how are they to have faith or be faithing in him who they have never heard? You can't. You can't have faith in somebody you've never heard about. Well, what else? It's, it's, it is knowing about Jesus, but it's more than that. It's believing that what you heard is true. And it's like in Luke chapter 1, when John the Baptist dad hears from the angel about what's going to happen. He knew what the angel said. He knew that the angel said that he was going to have a son, but he didn't believe the truth of it. And that's what the angel says to him, you did not believe my words. Luke 1:20. He knew something, but he didn't believe it. And for us, not only do we have to know something about Jesus, we have to believe that it's true. That's what faith is, is believing the truth about what we know. More than just knowing that Jesus can heal and hearing that story, but believing that it's true. And then more than that, trusting, trusting, actually trusting him to do what he said he would do. Trusting in Christ to act. We're trusting in Christ to act. And so here, this paralyzed man comes to Jesus. He's laying before Jesus. And he's believing. He's believing Jesus is going to do something. He knows in his mind, if it's up to him, he's just going to be laying there. That's all he can do. He can't do anything else. But he believes that something's going to happen. And that's why he came to Jesus. And it's the same with us. It's more than just knowing, it's more than just believing, but trusting, actually trusting God to do it. And this is, this is different. What this means is when you come to a place of total inability and you're trusting God to do something, your hopes are hanging in the balance, aren't they? You know nothing is going to happen unless God comes and acts and does something you come to Jesus with all your sin and the way you've been for your whole life and you're trusting him for the first time, what you're saying is, the way I've been my whole life, I have never been able to change it. I'm believing I'm going to be different and I'm going to be saved and I'm going to be changed from the inside out because God is going to act. God's going to come in and he's going to do something. And if he doesn't, I'm going to be the same old me I always was. I'm going to struggle with these same sins I always struggled with. The sin and guilt on my back is still going to be there. The only way it's going to be gone is if God, Almighty God, comes down and actually does something in my heart and life and washes me by His blood. And you believe He's going to. And you just lay there waiting on Him to do it. And that's that's what faith is. And it's one thing more, a little bit more than that. Faith, Hebrews 11 says is the assurance of things hoped for. So it's we are trusting, but it's not just trusting and thinking, oh, I'm trusting, I have no other hope, there's no other way, and I think he could do it, but I'm not sure he's going to. You actually are hoping. You're you're believing that he, he will. He, you want him to, and you're hoping and that he will in, in the sense that you think it's going to happen because of who he is. I'll give you an, a different analogy. It's... Um, in World War, in World War II, at the beginning of the war, the U.S. was really not prepared at all. Um, they were still wearing tin hats from World War One and practicing on horses, um, which is crazy. It's like here's Germany, you know, conquering Europe with these tanks, and we're back with our really really small army in World War One tin hats, riding around on horses. It's like that's not going to work. And so at the beginning of the war, things were not going very well. And we tried to take this island called Guadalcanal. And so they, they put a bunch of Navy men there. And then the ships had to retreat. So they were just on this island, and they had no support. And this guy, Sid Phillips, he's a, he was a soldier in World War II. He said this, We'd begun to wonder whether, like the men on Bataan, we were abandoned. We understood we were expendable. So here he is. He's, he, only, he knows that if they don't get support, Japan's all around them with you know these navy ships and the planes dropping bombs. So there's no, they don't have any hope, just like the paralyzed man, unless there's outside help. But they don't have hope. They don't think it's going to happen. They, they, they're desperate. They're dependent. They know they can't do it without help, but they don't have hope. They don't think that people are coming back for them. We're not like that. Jesus isn't like that. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to help you if I can, and then he doesn't show up, or he decides you're expendable. We have hope. Faith is hope in the solid truth of who God is. We heard about who he is. We know it's true. And we're watching for him to do it in hope. They did come back, by the way. And, well, obviously, I guess you knew that Sid Phillips survived. So, what is the faith, the object of faith? It's Jesus. The Jesus we know about, the Jesus we believe. Not only what we heard, we believe it's true. And not only do we believe it's true, we're actively entrusting to him our soul, our sin, our life, our circumstances, our emotions. We're giving it to him in hope because we believe that though we can't do it ourselves, he's going to come and he's going to act on our behalf. That's the object of faith. What's the act of faith? The act of faith. Well, what it is, is you're coming to Jesus and you're just laying it all out there just like the paralyzed man. Look, Jesus, here I am and I'm a mess and I can't fix myself. And then you look at him to watch what he's going to do. You bring all your need, your weakness, your brokenness, and you're laying it out before Jesus and probably some other people too. And faith means we're not left to the limits of our own strength, wisdom, and ability. We're past that. We're past the limits of our own strength, wisdom, and ability. We can't do it, and we know that and we're looking to Jesus to act. And so I don't know what that is for you. If you're lost, it's your sin. You're bringing all your sin, your heart, your you know, in your heart you you don't love God and you're bringing it all out and you're putting it all before Jesus and you're saying, I'm a mess. I'm an unfixable mess unless you fix me. But I believe that you will because of what you did. Or it could be your circumstances. Here it is, Jesus. I can't fix this. Could be your emotions here. This is how I feel, Jesus. I try, I'm trying to change it, but I, I'm overwhelmingly sad or I'm overwhelmingly bitter or whatever it is. And you just lay it all out there and then you wait on Him to act. Maybe it's endurance. Maybe, I mean, if we really are honest, we have to be able to say, if it's up to me, I'm not going to make it through the Christian life. I'm not going I don't have the strength. And so we have to give it to Jesus every day, not just the one time, you know. We get up today and say, I'm not going to make it through today unless you help me today, Jesus. And the good news is, like I said, we're not left there. We're looking to someone who has repeatedly helped the needy and, and the helpless over and over and over and over and is the same yesterday today and forever and so maybe you're a visual person like me i imagine myself and i'm lying on the mat and i'm not physically paralyzed but i'm bringing all my problems to jesus and just laying them out and saying you've got to do something and and watching that's the act of faith. And it may be hard. I mean, in one way it is. You're totally dependent. There's not, you know, if Jesus doesn't come through, the bottom's going to fall out. But that's the place we want to be. Totally dependent. We don't want a backup plan. You know, it's like my wife, she asked me to do things. And there's some things she trusts me to do. She has faith that I'll do and there's other things she asked me to do, and she trusts, but she goes and checks to make sure I did it because <laughs> I forget a lot, you know, and that happened this morning on the way to, on the way to church. She asked me to get something, "Hey, will you get this? Oh yeah, of course, I'll get it." And then get in the car. did you get that? Get what? <laughs> like I had already forgotten totally, And so that's not what it's like for Jesus, right? We're not saying, here Jesus, I'm giving it all to you and I'm trusting that you're going to act. But if you don't, I've got this backup plan. I'm going to come and I'm going to do these other things. and I'm going to... That's not how it is. It's our, it's our only hope. It's our total dependence on him because we know we can't do it. And then what's the result? What's the result of faith? Well, look what Jesus says here to him in, Ma- in Mark chapter 2. And when Jesus saw their faith, so apparently that's not only his faith, but the faith of the people carrying him on the mat, he said to the paralytic, child or son, your sins are forgiven. Then he stops. I mean, that's surprising, right? Because the whole time, the obvious outward problem is he's paralyzed, and then Jesus says, well, in in Matthew, he says, you know, he adds that extra word that Jesus says there, take courage. So take courage, child. Your sins are forgiven. Pfft, that is just not what you'd expect. You expect him to heal him, You know, it's like, here's this obvious outward problem. And Jesus, he meets the real need, doesn't he? He meets the inward problem. And apparently this guy knew that there was something more that he needed. That his faith in Jesus wasn't just for the outward, it was for something inward. He's trusting Jesus for more. He's trusting Jesus with his sin. So what's the result of faith? Well, love is one thing. Jesus said, child, it's this loving word back it's like you come and you lay it all out you're totally dependent what's he going to say I mean if he says no you're, you're hopeless but he says child to those you know John 1 says to those who did receive him he gave them the right to be called children of God it's like you come you, you give it all to Jesus you're totally dependent and he comes and meets you with love and what else? Forgiveness. Not just, not just love, but forgiveness. Your sins are forgiven. It's a weird little phrase here. It's a passive, passive verb. Your sins are being forgiven. It's like he's emphasizing you aren't doing anything. Something is happening to you that you are passive in. You can't do. But take courage Child, your sins are forgiven. Why are his sins forgiven? Did he do anything? No. That's the whole point of this picture. The whole point of the picture is that he absolutely was unable to do anything. He's just lying there. He can't do anything. And yet, through faith, his total inability is met with Jesus' ability, and he's a child of God. His sins are forgiven. And notice too, that word, take courage. Take heart. Take heart. He says that before he ever gets healed outwardly. He says it before, you know, the outward circumstance, the obvious, the most obvious thing about him is fixed. And maybe that's what, you know, you need today is just, you need to take courage. If you're trusting God, take courage. You know, He's here. He loves you. He's already forgiving your sins. He can handle this other thing. I mean, this, whatever it is, circumstances. He can handle it. Take courage. Your sins are forgiven. Take heart. Well,. That's the result of faith, love from God, forgiveness of sins, and strengthens our heart. So let's just apply some of this to us. So here we see this man, you know, he see, he knows something about Jesus. Apparently, some of the people there are already beginning to think about Jesus being more than a man, you know, and who can forgive sins but God alone. And yet this man on the mat believes his sins are forgiven. It's amazing. Well, what about us? Why is this the basics? Faith? Well, it's not just because faith is how we're saved. It's more than that. You are saved by faith. But let me read you some of these other verses. Saved through faith, Ephesians 2.8.9. We believe that. Justified by faith. Romans 5.1 Forgiven and gain a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Acts 26.18 Those are all what we think about in terms of faith and, and the gospel and the salvation, justification, given a place among God's people. But listen to this, we walk by faith, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We live by faith in the son of God, Galatians 2, 20. Gained approval through faith, Hebrews eleven thirty nine. 39. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So what is that? Yes, are we saved by faith? Absolutely. But what? It doesn't stop there. We walk by faith, which means what? When you become a Christian, you're casting everything on Jesus, totally dependent. And then what happens the next day? You walk by faith. And you're just as dependent on Jesus. And you're casting your day on him. Jesus, just like I gave my sins to you, I gave my soul to you. If it's up to me, if it's up to me to save my soul, Jesus, it's not going to be saved because I can't do it. And today, Jesus, just the same way I I, I trusted you completely, I'm trusting you with my day today. And I'm trusting you with my actions today and my struggles today and my circumstances today. And then tomorrow you do the same thing again. Jesus, today I need you. I need your help. And this and this and this and this. And this. And we every day, from the first day you're a Christian to the last day you're a Christian, you're continually, over and over and over, coming to the place of total inability and pushing it onto Jesus and saying, you're going to have to do something, and I believe that you will, just like you saved me. Yeah. And not only that, it's not just for today, right? The, Mrs. Howard Taylor, my favorite author, she calls it the eternal present. You know, we walk by faith. That's present tense, but that applies today through the rest of our lives. It's always the present tense. We always live in the present. And yet, it's more than that. It's not only today, but it's going to be to preserve our souls to the end. When, when we finally get there, when we die and meet the Lord, and, and we hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. How did that happen? Well, we had faith, and it preserved our soul. And so all this is, not just for how we were saved, but we are walking in it today. You and me as Christians are walking in faith. We aren't doing it perfectly, and for that, we push it on to Jesus and say, Jesus, I know I'm not doing it perfectly. Here's all the ways I'm not doing it perfectly, and I need you to help me. And so for you and me every day, we're going to be faced with the reality that things are beyond your control and ability to fix just like the paralyzed man. And we can either trust in Jesus Christ, have faith in Him, or live in the illusion that our own knowledge and strength is sufficient for today. Those are the only options. Because the reality is, we are like the paralyzed man. We, don't, we aren't sufficient. We can't make it through today. We can't do all the things that we need to do to make it to the end. We, aren't, we don't have enough knowledge to make the best decision in every circumstance we've got to have Jesus and we either see it and lean into him or we live in the illusion that we don't need him and we we don't want that do we and we know that's true right you see it and you feel like you're a good parent and then you know the cracks start to appear and you realize you don't really know what you're doing and you really it's not really all on you and you really can't make your kid the way you want them to be. And not only parenting, temptation comes in. You feel like, hey, you know, I'm doing good. I've This sin in my past, you know what? I'm not struggling with that. I haven't for years. And then what? Got to open the crack and, 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 and show you, well, you know what? You're not as strong. I've been the one that's been holding you up. And you realize, well, I am dependent. Loving others. You can't force yourself. You can't pour love out of your, you know, Extra, you know all this um, extra virtue that you have got lying around into your heart for these people that are difficult to love. You can't do it. You got to come to Jesus and say, "Look, Jesus, here I am. I'm paralyzed. I don't have. I can't move love into my heart. I'm, I've got a paralyzed heart. You've got to come and help me." And endurance and daily decisions, little decisions, big decisions. Your 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 growth. Your your inward you know, thought life, your outward actions, when you're at home, when you're at work, in all these places, we're totally dependent on Jesus, and we've got to trust Him. Because of who He is, and because of what He's always been like, and what He always will be like, we can. And so, that's our prayer this year, isn't it? We don't want to be faithless. I don't want to be faithless. I don't want to be doubting God. He's good. The same Jesus that looked down at this paralyzed man and had pity on him looks down at me and all my problems and he pities me just as much. And you too. And so let's pray. Lord, we do come to you and we, I just thank you just for getting me through this sermon and, um, this week and we lift up tomorrow and the rest of the day and next week to you and say we need you and you know our needs and we just lay them out before you help us and every way we need help and ways we don't even realize we need help you're a good God and we know even when we're faithless you remain faithful and we just look to you Amen.